Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a sideline sleuth. Today's episode is a little different than our others because it's not a vanished without a trace disappearance. Well, not the whole time anyway. Today we're going to talk about the disappearance of a young woman named Corinna Page Slusser. She was actually just weeks away from celebrating her 19th birthday when she was last heard from by her family and friends. Corinna is originally from Bloomberg, Pennsylvania, but she went missing from Queens, New York in September of 2017. More than a year later, though, a photo of her surfaces on the internet taken in October of 2017 which is after she last spoke to her friends and family, and after they reported her missing. So, what happened to Corinna Slusser? Well, here's what we know. In 2017, Corinna wasn't getting along with her mother, which is normal for a teenage girl, and she wanted to move in with friends, or maybe even her aunt, maybe get away entirely, but in the summer of 2017... She met a 32-year-old man online named Giovanni. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it already sounds bad, right? Yeah, 32? She's, she's seven, uh, 19 at the time? She was weeks away from celebrating her 19th oh, so birthday. 18. She was 18, yeah. So Giovanni tells her that he can give her a place to live in New York City. So she left Pennsylvania and headed there in July without any of her possessions. Reports say she just had her phone and her ID cards. Her mom didn't even know she was in New York. She saw it on the internet when she posted that she was in Brooklyn. Uh So she thought she was just living with a friend somewhere else in Pennsylvania. That's that's really sad. That's hard. Once in New York, she still maintained close contact with her friends and family at home. They talked practically every day. Her messages and social media posts made it seem like she was enjoying life in the city. She never let on that something was wrong and painted the picture that her life in her new home was going well. Her mom said every time she talked to her, she said she was fine. But after she disappeared, some surprising details about her life came out. Corinna had been working as a prostitute and was advertising online for clients using the name Carissa. The first known advertisement is dated August 21st, so just a month after she moved there. Gosh, why else are 32-year-old men luring women to New York? Yeah, unless they... Giving them a place to stay. Sounds sketchy. Yeah. Her cell phone number with the area code from Scranton, Pennsylvania, is listed in that ad. On August 25th of that year, so very quickly after the posting, she called 911 around 1 in the morning. She was at the Harlem Vista Hotel in Manhattan. Giovanni, a man she called Daddy, and identified as her pimp, had assaulted her. She told police that he stole $300 from her, and when she confronted him, he, quote, grabbed her by the throat, choked her, and slammed her against the wall, end quote. When police arrived at the hotel, Corinna was still visibly upset. The man was arrested and charged with harassment, third-degree assault, and criminal obstruction of breathing or blood circulation. A temporary order of protection against him was issued by the court on Corinna's behalf. In Texas, those temporary orders last 91 days. In New York, temporary orders expire before the case is closed. What? But they can be renewed, so there's no set timeline that's given for how long it lasts, but it's usually over before you come back to court the next time, though. 
and then it's likely extended every court date until the next court date. So they just like keep redoing it, but it is very short-lived. A permanent order of protection, also known as a final order in New York, lasts one to five years, but two years is pretty standard. All of that seems pretty serious, but after a copy of the order of protection was mailed to Corinna's last known address, which happened to be her mom's house in Pennsylvania, she reportedly downplayed the assault and told her family that it wasn't something they needed to worry about. Of course, I feel like anybody would do that. Yeah. Especially if you're young. Young adult. Your your mom wants you to come home. They talked about it. Her mom was like, what are you doing? You need to get your butt home. And she was like, no, mom, I'm fine. So when your mom gets sad, of course, if you don't want to go home, you're going to be like, no, mom, it's fine. It wasn't as bad as it looks. A relative of Corinna's said that the letter said she had been beaten and strangled, but she told her, her mom, that it was, like, she was just making a big deal out of nothing, which... It's like she filed a false police report is what she's saying. Right, or I guess she exaggerated the claim, maybe. Mm. In September, Corinna met a man named Ishiwoni at a Bronx motel. He was pimping out another girl who went by the name Jessica Wabbit. He quickly becomes Corinna's pimp, too. Early in the month, advertisements online for both girls are posted using Ishii's phone number, Corinna's phone number, and Jessica's phone number. The two numbers with Corinna's both have New York City area codes. Some of his advertisements also mention a, quote, two-girl special and shows a photo of both Corinna and the other girl. How despicable and crass. I mean, just that, the concept. Yeah. He came up with a two-girl special. Yeah. And also, can we just do a sidebar? What is it with pimps? I feel like, listen, we're women. If that's how we want to make our money, okay, I'm not judging you. You got to get your money. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. But when in the history of time has it been difficult for a woman to find a man to yeah. pay for that? When why, do, why do we need does help? Does a man need to step in yeah. and intercept and take a cut? Listen, yeah. I know kids listen to this. Stop listening to this, kids. Yeah, but- <laughs> or earmuffs. Cover earmuffs. your ears for just a second, kids. This is a stupid institution, the pimp. Yeah. I feel like, ladies, just, you know, be your own boss. Exactly. In all areas and industries. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah, we don't. We Thank don't. You for help. Yeah. Men are. Yeah. You could just go into a room and wink at somebody, and boom, customer. Yeah. If that's what you're doing. And boom, customer. You don't. Need, you don't need a two girl special. You yeah. could. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And you don't need a middleman. So also that month, so September, Corinna's grandfather died. His funeral would be in Florida, and she tells her mom that she'll attend. Hmm. But then she calls her mom back to tell her that her ID, both her license and her social security card, were stolen. So now she won't be able to fly there at all. But she does tell her mom that she's ready to come home and move back to Pennsylvania. Her mom said this is the first time since July, so it's been two months since she left, that she said she was she wanted to come That's back. Good. So on September 19th, Corinna's mom flies to Florida for the funeral. Corinna is expected to return to Pennsylvania on September 20th. Her mom thinks that Corinna will be there based off of their last contact. So she goes to Florida, and she's expecting when she returns, Corinna will be in Pennsylvania. Mm. But during her time in Florida, she isn't able to get in contact with her daughter. She texts her for like a week with no response. When she gets home, she learns that Corinna never made it back. And then she asks her friends, when's the last time you talked to her? What's going on? And she said she's not responding to anybody. And that's when her mom reported her missing. It has been reported that she was last seen in the very early morning hours of September 20th in Queens. She was leaving the Haven Motel on Woodhaven Boulevard. 
reviews on the internet for this place are not good at all. Hmm. With one commenter saying, quote, this place was nasty as hell. If you're looking for a place to do drugs or take a hooker, this is it, end quote. Up until September 20th, Corinna had maintained a very active presence on social media, but then her posts completely stopped. Her final Facebook post is from September 8th. It's a selfie where she still looks very much like Corinna, but we'll get to that in a second. Investigators believe that she was handed off to another pimp and has since then been passed through several others. Mm-hmm. In documents released by the U.S. government, Ishiwoni was first arrested in November of 2017 when undercover NYPD cops posed as Johns, a.k.a. clients, at a motel in New Jersey. This was shortly after Corinna went missing, and reportedly, Ishii and the other victim in the case were questioned about her whereabouts at that time. Then again, in February of 2018, Ishii was arrested another time, when officers say cops were called to a motel in Jersey City after he, Ishii, was accused of beating up another victim. During that incident, Ishii was also charged with a low-level drug possession. The victim in that incident later refused to press charges. In October of 2018, undercover NYPD cops arranged to meet a female victim at a motel in the Bronx for sex in exchange for $200. It was then that the cops learned about Ishii's involvement in prostitution. Hmm. Between September 10th and September 20th, the last known contact inciting anybody had of Corinna, she and Ishii texted each other 806 times. Reportedly, the two had an argument on September 20th because another woman, referred to only as Victim 1, was upset about Ishii's relationship with Corinna. Jealousy or something like that. So he told Victim 1 that he would take Corinna to another hotel and give her to another man. And that's the last time anybody has heard about what happened to Corinna. Well, sort of. A photo of Corinna alongside Ishii and another woman is posted to Instagram in 2018, more than a year after Corinna was last seen. But the photo was taken in October of 2017, shortly after she vanished. It just wasn't shared for a full year. I saw some conflicting reports that it was an old post, like they took a picture a long time ago and posted it then to taunt investigators, but other people said it was more recent. However, Corinna had green dye at the bottom of her hair, kind of like an ombre thing going on. Yeah. And in that photo, I, that's the one I sent you, mm-hmm. you can still see the green at the bottom of her hair, making it seem like it was taken in 17, close to when she vanished, because her hair's still green at the bottom. Got you. She's so pretty. She was beautiful. Those eyes were very piercing, and she was just, like, stunning. Such a pretty girl. So he... Like, all of this is going on, They've, he's been asked about her whereabouts, and then just as like a, like a taunt, I guess is the right yeah. word, he shares a picture of them to Instagram. Hmm. A year after she's been missing. Mm-hmm. A weird move. Corinna is described as being almost unrecognizable in that photo, and she really doesn't look like herself. I honestly would have never known that was her if her mom didn't say so. She is significantly slimmer, and her hair is darker, her eyes look darker, and she's not wearing any makeup. Her mom said that she was always very into hair and makeup, and that doesn't look like her at all. 
In the photos of Corinna before she went to New York, she almost glows. She is, like, vibrant. Her mom said that she was really shocked when she saw the photo and that some of her own family members didn't realize it was a picture of Corinna. And now they're afraid that because she looks so different, it'll be harder for people to identify her because she doesn't look like the girl in the missing posters. She said, quote, you could probably walk past her on the subway and not even know it's her. That's the scary thing, end quote. And yeah, like, I didn't, if her mom hadn't been like, this picture is my daughter, I would have been like, I don't know who that is. Like, I can see the resemblance now that she told me. Yeah, she's so pretty without makeup. And she she looks, I mean, yeah. She She doesn't look the same. She looks skinnier. Her hair is darker. She doesn't have that, like, glow or, like, that, like, sparkly thing about her. Before, she was just so, like, you would turn your head to look at this girl. And she just looks like anybody there. Yeah. But there is a little bit of good news in this case. On October 31st, 2018, the FBI arrested Ishiwoni, <gasps> the most recent pimp we knew of for Corona, and also the guy in that Instagram picture. But he was arrested in New Jersey for various sex trafficking offenses and other charges involving the exploitation of women. In November of 2018, federal court in Manhattan officially charged him with crimes related to Corinna and the woman I mentioned earlier called victim number one. A November 1st, 2018 press release from the Justice Department says the following, quote, the prosecution alleges that between September 2017 and November 2018, Woney used coercion, force, and fraud to force victim one to engage in sex acts for money and brought her to different states, including New York, for this purpose. He also bought online ads promoting prostitution, some of which featured Slusser alongside victim one, end quote. I don't know. I just feel like he used his own phone number and stuff. Like, he just made it look very obvious. Like, I don't know. I don't... Pretty smart guy, clearly. Yeah, I'm not involved in this in any way. So I don't know how you would do that. But, like, it seems like you wouldn't want to make a direct connection to yourself. Get a burner like all the other criminals. Yeah. This is not advice for committing crimes. Yeah. Mm. How to get away with... No, (laughs) not today. But we do have a few segments called How to Get Away with Murder by (laughs) Megan and But not How to Get Away with Exploitation. No. That's disgusting. That makes it sound like murder's not. Anyway, let's move on. That press release continues with quotes from U.S. attorneys and FBI officials. U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman said, quote, As alleged, Ishiwoni engaged in a vile form of exploitation using force and other coercion to compel young women to engage in paid-for-sex for his enrichment. We will continue to work with the FBI and NYPD to protect prospective victims of human trafficking and arrest and prosecute their predators, end quote. FBI Assistant Director in Charge William F. Sweeney Jr. said, quote, As alleged, Woney compelled his victims to engage in prostitution through force and coercion and used both this victim and Karina Slusser, who has been missing since September 2017, in online advertisements promoting prostitution. Human trafficking is a top priority for the FBI, and as today's charges demonstrate, we will continue to aggressively pursue justice for the victims of these heinous crimes. Miss Slusser was last seen in Queens, New York, end quote. So they, like, got him for somebody else, but they can't find Corinna. This is really strange. I think the circumstances under which, like, he, you know, apparently had nothing to do with her anymore seem sketchy at best. What what pimp listens to? I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? And he, but if he did give her to somebody else, he at least knows where the trail goes next. Yeah, but he's he just acting he, like, yeah, he's he just acting like, oh, well, who knows what happened to Corinna? Like, they're saying she left that day after an argument and they just never saw her again. 
GPS. You're not just going to, like, if you're using her for money. Give her to another man. Yeah, he's saying that that didn't happen. Well, oh, he's saying that didn't happen. But, like, if she's making you money, why are you just going to let her leave? Like, aren't you supposed to be, quote, unquote, controlling her? Like, you're just going to, she's going to walk off an argument and you're not going to track her down? Like, that's your money walking away. I don't know. I don't know the mindset of pimps. Yeah. I don't want to know. The mindset of pimps. No. The Justice Department also provided a chart showing Ishii's charges and the potential maximum sentences for each offense. The first charge is use of an interstate facility to promote, manage, and carry on prostitution and carries a maximum sentence of five years. The second charge is listed as the Mann Act, which I will explain in a second, and carries a 10-year maximum prison term. And the third is sex trafficking by means of force, threats, fraud, and coercion. And has a minimum sentence of 15 and a maximum sentence of life in prison. So the Mann Act is also known as the White Slave Trafficked Act. Which, what? But anyway. It's got a contract. Well, we'll call it the Mann Act. Yeah. It was enacted by the 61st Congress and signed into law by President William Taft on June 25th, 1910. That makes a little bit more sense why I would say the white White slaves. slaves. Yeah. Quote, in its original form, the act made it a felony to engage in interstate or foreign commerce transport of any woman or girl for the purpose of prostitution or debauchery or any other immoral purpose. End quote. It was intended to address prostitution, immorality, and human trafficking, particularly where trafficking was for the purposes of prostitution, so not like labor trafficking. Gotcha. It was considered to be an act of, quote-unquote, moral reform, and is just one of several legislative attempts at reform during the progressive era. So frustrating. This has been going on for so So long. long. So, quick history lesson. Um, But first, I need to say thank you to Jimmy and Pat, who are two social studies teachers at our school, because I went and asked them questions about this. I didn't want to just, like, read off of, like, Wikipedia or something what this was, so I, like, summarized it, and I was like, hey, guys, does this sound too, like academic-y like if you were to explain this to a 13 year old how would you say it because you know our some of our listeners are 13 and uh so I ran it by them and they were telling me that the progressive era was a period of social activism and political reform across the United States from like 1890-ish to the 1920s and the main objective of that was to address problems caused by and this is a quote quote industrialization urbanization immigration and political corruption So it was supposed to be, like, a whole bunch of laws were made to protect people. And this is when, like, the FDA started and the U.S. Department of Labor. So that's also when we got prohibition. So people are just trying to, like, make sure everybody's safe. but Not doing the most. Yeah. And not hurting others. But the original language in the Mann Act about morality and debauchery, which, like, debauchery, I don't say that in my regular day. I do when I'm being dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) The which is the excessive indulgence in sex, uh, sensual pleasures, was kind of ambiguous. So, like, what does that even... Like, today in 2020. Yeah, is that If someone was like, Netflix? it's illegal to, to participate <laughs> in debauchery. Like, that could be so many things. Yeah. Because we're a little Something bit more... Is, yeah, as the world... Wild now, yeah. yeah. But, so in 1978, it, it was changed a little. And then again in 1986. And in 86, it was changed to limit its application only to transport for the purpose of prostitution. So it's no longer just like if you were out yeah, looking like a hoe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, like, I mean, if they didn't reword it, I know a lot know. of people who would be in trouble for this. <laughs> so I could imagine. Yeah. But so now it's only about transporting people for sex. So that was his one charge that was... Was it 10 years? Yeah, a 10-year maximum sentence for the for bringing people, I guess, across 
state lines. State lines for sex. State lines or what? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, the, so it was a man act. And then the, the last one was sex trafficking. And I was like, how are these different? But I guess the sex trafficking ones were like forcing and coercion. And the other one is just like being the driver, I guess. Okay. Or being the person who was like lining up transport. So you could be charged with one without the other. Yes. Yeah. So in May of last year, Ishii reached a plea agreement with the prosecution, and in the next month, he pled guilty to four of the five charges against him, including sex trafficking a minor and using an interstate facility to promote, manage, and carry on prostitution. His sentencing was just a couple of months ago in September, and he was given 15 years. At his sentencing, Corinna's mother cried and pleaded with him for information about her daughter. She said, quote, where is Corinna? Is she dead or alive? Who is the last person he handed her off to? Please, Ishi, disclose where my child is, end quote. And this was kind of described as like, like an outburst, I guess. Uh, um, so, so it wasn't planned and or yeah. okayed by the judge. And he's not required to answer her questions. So the judge was just about to tell her that. Like, he doesn't have to say anything to you when he responded. <gasps> He said, quote, honestly, I don't know. I never passed her off to anybody. Is she dead or alive? I'm honestly not sure, but I pray she's alive, end quote. And his response shocked the courtroom. No one expected him to say anything to her because he didn't have to. And it, I guess it didn't even really matter because he lied. Like, I don't hand her off to anybody. You know, I don't know anything. And we know mm -hmm. he knows something, but. And even if he didn't know something, I bet you he'd ask around, like, yeah. figure it out. He, yeah, he could, he could connect the dots, yeah. yeah. He faced up to life behind bars, but Manhattan federal judge Lorna Schofield mentioned Ishii's extensive mental health issues, including a diagnosis of bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, before she handed down a 15-year sentence. She said, quote, This is a very serious offense. Hopefully you can get the kind of medical care you need, end quote. I just always feel like when it's in exchange for a life, that, like, why her life is only worth 15 years to you Gosh. and like she might be alive so maybe if she was dead it would have been harsher but i don't know she's different she is going to be irreversibly different when she yeah. is found and that's worth more than 15 years to me especially when he could have got life like how is yeah. that your middle ground and he pleaded guilty to four yeah of like, his yeah charges and like the minimum like the the lowest one was five years that he was facing and the highest one was life yeah you like, don't Combined. That's those a huge sentences. spectrum. Like, yeah. why are you meeting all the way down here at 15? Weird. It's, it's kind of wild to me. The, I don't know. Sentencing is just weird. Yeah. It's so subjective. We didn't mention this in the Tiffany Daniels episode, which also came out this month, but January 2020 was named National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month mm. because it's the 20th anniversary of the passing of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, or TVPA, in the year 2000. I selected Corinna's story to be told this month to bring attention to the global issue of human trafficking, but I also wanted to briefly highlight the continued effort of government agency to combat human trafficking. Since 2007, the National Human Trafficking Hotline has been contacted 229,000 times. That number includes calls, emails, and web submissions. More than 51,000 total cases of human trafficking have been reported to them. The Department of Health and Human Services provides funding for that hotline, and in the 2018 fiscal year, that department funded victim programs that served more than 2,400 victims nationwide. 
And for the first time recently, the Department of Transportation committed $5.4 million in grants to the prevention of human trafficking and other crimes that may occur on buses, trains, and forms of public transportation. Wow. So it seems like they're trying. Yeah. I think more than anything, people don't realize that this, like, this poor girl was, she was a regular girl. Yeah. She's a beautiful, small town Pennsylvania girl. And then was being trafficked in New York, which is, I mean, you... I think the belief is that she was located on social media and groomed to come. Right, right, right. Yeah, like, Which really, that makes anybody yeah, accessible. Yeah, like unhappy, anybody wants, to, wants to leave, she's fighting with her mom. Someone offers you a place in somewhere that seems exciting, like New York City, when you're from a little town in Pennsylvania. I could see a lot of kids wanting to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But if it seems too good to be true, it is. Like nobody's giving you a free place to live somewhere where the rent is that insane. Yeah, not in a place like New York where everybody wants to be. Yeah. So sad. The most recent statistics available by year come from 2018. The hotline reported a 25% increase in cases from 2017. 23,078 survivors were identified in 2018, and 10,949 were reported to them that year. Hotline statistics showed that 3,218 individual survivors contacted the hotline 7,838 times. So they're not just calling one time. Initially, police were saying that they didn't think foul play was involved and that Corinna is alive somewhere. Mm. Now, if they mean foul play as in she's not dead, then I agree. I think she probably is alive somewhere, just deep in a prostitution ring. And her family agrees. Mm. Oh, I just said this a second ago, but her family thinks that human traffickers groomed Corinna through social media all the way from Pennsylvania and then lured her there, fully intending the whole time to prostitute her. But you think they, about people just sliding in your DM. Yeah. It is not as, like, you know. Yeah, it's not always super innocent. Yeah. Well, it's never innocent, but it's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess that's true. <laughs> but, um, but, like, and they can't start, like, you're not going to get there the first day, and then all of a sudden they're like, and now you're a prostitute. They're going to make you seem like you, it's going to be yeah. great, you they're know? They're going to be sweet to you, and then mm-hmm. they're going to switch it up. It's like that she backhand. She actually posted a picture of some, like, really nice apartment. It was like, my new home. And her family was like, she doesn't have money to pay for this. Mm-hmm. And then... She had to. She had to make that money for them somehow. If they were giving her that apartment, exactly. So. And then she's indebted, which is mm-hmm. exactly how they did it with slaves. Yeah, nothing's free. No, it's really sad. Mm. Be vigilant, ladies. And parents, and also, check your kids' social media. Yeah, it's so hard. She's eighteen. She's a grown woman. Yeah. But I mean, she was using her mom's internet. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, sad. In an interview with the Daily Mail, Corinna's mom said that she's convinced her daughter is in a situation where she can't leave on her own and she's being held against her will. She said, quote, I know that if she was capable, she would have called me. She's being controlled. I don't know what they've done to her, whether she's on drugs or mentally unstable or whatever, but I know she's not herself, end quote. She said the number of missing girls, not just in New York, but across the country, is disheartening. Statistics from the Human Trafficking Hotline show New York as the state with the fourth highest number of reported cases. Corinna's mom continued, quote, she's just one more drugged up lost soul. She's a clever girl, but she's from a small town. She doesn't have the street knowledge to survive out there, end quote. She urges other parents to look for the signs that their children might be being targeted or groomed for sex trafficking. She said, quote, now I look back at it, I can see that she was displaying all the signs, but at the time I had no idea what was happening, end quote. Like, that's got to be like, make you feel guilty even though it's not your fault, like, you could yeah. something was going on. You just didn't see it. Yeah, but it's it's hard. I feel like to be a parent in this day and age, like it's 
this is stuff we've never dealt with before. All your kids, basically, if you have an internet connection, and your kids, your, your kids are at risk for being sex trafficked, that's it's horrifying. Yeah. I feel like we're just now coming to terms with like, oh, it's stranger danger. Like, you know, we're gonna how to catch a predator. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's common, and you talk to your kids about that. But it's one step beyond that. You know. Did you? I don't know if you saw this thing. Um, I posted on Facebook the other day. I sh- well, I shared it. This girl was like had a new spinoff for How to Catch a Predator, but instead of Chris Hansen or whoever it is, mm-hmm. is that his name? I think so. Um, it's an angry mm-hmm. gorilla, and he just rips the pedophiles to shred, and she was like, <laughs> we'll call it Statutory Ape. And I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that sounds great. But It does sound pretty good. Oh, violent, but good. Yeah, they deserve it. Another theory is that maybe Corinna was killed for calling the police on Giovanni a few months earlier, mm. but there isn't much on that topic. The belief that she is or was being shuttled between different pimps is much more prevalent. One of the signs people say they missed is that Corinna had begun calling Giovanni daddy when referring to him, which they look back on now and realize was a huge red flag. Mm. Some reports say that he had been released from jail and was angry, maybe even looking for Corinna, but I wasn't able to officially corroborate that. If you're interested in learning more about the warning signs, and what to look for, the Department of Health and Human Services has a list of 10 ways you can help end trafficking, and the first one is knowing the signs. You can find a link to that page in our source list and access the warning signs there. Corinna is described as being 5'6 and weighing around 140 pounds. She had long blonde hair and blue eyes, but her appearance may have been drastically altered. She has a large black tattoo of a flower in the middle of her chest. It's been more than two years since Corinna Slusser communicated last with her friends and family. Her previously active social media accounts have gone unused. Her mother is still hopeful that she will be fine. She said, quote, I don't know if she's alive, but I can only hope that she is. Somebody out there must know something, end quote. To date, Corinna's disappearance remains unsolved. It is estimated that only about 0.4% of human trafficking cases are identified, meaning that the vast majority of victims go undetected. If you have any information about Corinna being a victim of human trafficking, or any information about anyone being a victim of human trafficking, please contact 911 or the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-373-7888. You can also text the word HELP to the number BEFREE. That's 233-733. And the hotline can also be reached through email at help at humantraffickinghotline.org. The police are asking for anyone with information to contact NYPD's Crime Stoppers hotline at 1-800-577-TIPS. That's 1-800-577-8477. The NYPD Sex Trafficking Hotline at 646-610-7272. Or the NYPD Vice Line, who deals with prostitution and human trafficking, at 212-694-3024. You can also contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI or submit tips to them online at tips.fbi.gov. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions about this case or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sidelinesleuths. And if you haven't already had the chance, please rate and review the show on iTunes, Facebook, or any social media or streaming platforms available.